asking what your partner likes in bed. Is it nosy oh, yeah. or helpful? It's helpful. It's yeah. helpful. Gosh, it's helpful. And like asking before, asking during, and asking after. Thank you. It's helpful. Feedback. Feedback. You you know what? Sometimes what you need after sex is a post-game meeting. From KCRW, this is How's Your Sex Life? I'm Maisha Battle, and I am so excited to be here today with a fellow podcaster and journalist. You know him, you love him, Sam Sanders. He has a podcast that's out every week called Vibe Check. Please check it out. And I just have one question for you, Sam, before we get started with mm. giving the people some advice. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, how's your sex life? <laughs> Ah, uh, you know, it's, uh, 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 it's pretty good. Okay. It's just everything outside the bedroom. <laughs> that's the oh, problem. Shit. Okay, that's <laughs> real. Not, listen, Thank listen, you. you get inside the bedroom. Sure, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside, you're like, oh, you, you talk, you think, <laughs> you have needs. Wow. <laughs> so I take it single and dating? Single and treading water. Oh, okay, okay. Single and yeah. treading water. <laughs> Like a lot of our listeners, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I had a breakup in July. Okay. And this is what, December? Yeah, so a few months. Yeah, six months. Yeah, that's always like an interesting time because it's like, am I ready? Am I not? It depends on how long you were together. But, you know, like six months post-breakup is is like a, it's either like, woohoo, like all bets are off or it's like, I'm still, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Is this? Is this and what the, I should be doing? <laughs> yeah. And the thing no one tells you is that often you will fluctuate between both of those poles in the span yeah. of a day. So there's yeah. that. You know. You're so Life, right. love, bleh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what we do here is is mm-hmm. try to help people through those moments. So yeah. with that, why don't we get into our, our first question? Let's do it. Yay. Okay. Let's take a listen. Does the classic advice to always masturbate before a date actually work? That's, oh, <laughs> this is, I have been talking for a living for damn near 15 years. And uh-huh. let me tell you, you've already got me twice. You got me. <laughs> I didn't mean to, no, to turn listen, this into like gotcha it. media, but. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> okay, well. Um, what do you think about this one? I have my thoughts as a sex coach, but like, do you have strong opinions about this? I don't, uh, because I've done both. And okay. I feel like if there's a vibe, there's going to be a vibe, regardless yeah. of what you do down there before. I think if anything, what you want is the ability before you go to bed with anyone to maybe discuss those kind of things or be open to talking about them. You know, oh. it's like... I think a lot of times, especially, you know, in my 20s, it's like there was this idea that if a first date goes well, you go to bed. But there's no discussion at the first date about what you might want your sex life to be like or what your sex life is. Mm. And so for me, when I hear that question, it's more like, uh, it doesn't matter if you masturbate before the date or not. It matters if you go on a date with someone who you feel comfortable talking about masturbation with. Oof. So yes. that, you know, I would reframe the question. I and, love that. And am I setting myself up for dates and conversations with potential partners that allow me to be open about my sex life? Right. 
Because we're going right. to be having sex. That's the goal. That is the goal. If all goes well, yeah. whether it's date one, date 10, six months from now, yeah. you know, I'm definitely somebody who believes talking about sex early and often is the thing. Exactly. Like, or what are we doing? Yes. And understanding that, like, it is a thing that can that can get better over time. It can get worse over time and it can change with work. You know, I think for a yeah. long, I think, you know, you know, I'm 39. I grew up in the era of 90s rom-coms and they kind of make you believe that if it's the one, the sex will be great from the first time going forward and you'll never have to, like, check in on it. That's right. It's just like, woof. But in actuality... You know, getting sex right is like, you know, getting your restaurant order right. <laughs> Look at the menu. What do you want? Ask a few questions. How spicy is this dish? Do you want to share these plates or have separate? Like, it's the same thing. Same thing. Totally. And when I work with clients, I'm always using food metaphors. Mm. And I I definitely believe that if we could talk more about sex like we do about what we want to eat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we would all be better served in all manners of the word. So, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, this is an interesting question to me because it's one of those things, you know, you mentioned 90s rom-coms. I'm thinking about like, there's something about Mary, mm-hmm. right? Where wow. this comes yeah. up. Ben Stiller's character tries to jerk off before his date and it, it, comedy ensues. <laughs> yes. And the idea here is that, you know, for anybody who's not familiar with this notion, it's that if you masturbate, you're going to be, you know, maybe more calm and less, like, uh, obsessed with, like, your carnal desires for your date. And I am right there with you, Sam. I think that if you want to have sex with somebody, it doesn't matter if you have already had solo sex beforehand you know that desire is still going to be there especially because it's like the beginning stages it's the getting to know you it's the oh you like that i like that you know there's a lot that's like very stimulating Mm -hmm. that's going to happen from a first date especially if it goes really well so you know i will say that my only caveat to that is like if this is going to make you feel better going into the scenario then by all means. For sure. This isn't like a, this always works as this question asker yeah, posted. Totally. Well, and also it's like, maybe you want a date that ends in sex and maybe you don't. Like, it's also like, I wouldn't make it, I wouldn't have any hard and fast rule about what to do before a first date because there are different kinds of first dates. There are different kinds of first dates. And it's like, what do you want your first date to be? Think about that too. Mm. Excellent advice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we have our next question, which is uh, a little bit longer, and okay. let's listen to that. Okay. Hey, Maisha. Here's my question. My partner and I are both 49 years old, and we've been together for a year. Lately, almost every time we try to have sex, he does not get hard and never finishes. I get tired from trying to stimulate him, and when he can't come, I blame myself. I've always needed more sex than my partners, and when I get into it, I need even more. So when someone approached me recently asking for my number, I gave it to him. We met up and he got really hard just from kissing me. Nothing else happened, but it felt good to know that I am able to arouse another person. As men age, are they just not as sexual? Is it the drinking that destroys his libido? He drinks a bottle or two of wine every night. I love him and I want to be with him, but I also need sex and more intimacy and togetherness time. Help! That's a doozy. <laughs> That's a doozy. Lots of parts. 
Yeah. Lots of parts, especially that last bit. They had yeah. me with the, is it the drinking? So I'll, I'll start us off here, which is okay. that, you know, drinking a bottle or two of wine a night is probably not good for your sexual functioning. In fact, I know I know that it is not good for your sexual functioning. So there could be something going on there with the drinking and not just that he's drinking and and not interested in sex, but like, why the drinking? What's behind this every single night? Because that does seem like a lot to have as your kind of like nightly wind down. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think that like, according to like the guidelines that doctors who study this stuff give us, definitionally, he has a drinking problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, I would make that a topic of conversation. If you're intimate with this person uh, and you're someone who is a big part of his life, I think it's totally appropriate for you to say in a kind way at the right moment, as someone close to you, I'm worried about your drinking. But Mm. I wouldn't bring up drinking and sex together. I'd bring up the drinking first and on its own, you know? Um, The second thing I would urge her to do, maybe even before she has a conversation about what she needs during sex from him is to consider that, like, not all of it is her fault. Mm-hmm. And fault is a hard word to even use right now. You, I wouldn't even call it fault. But, like, don't think he's not getting hard just because of you. It kind of hurt me to hear you say, well, when I made out with this other guy and he got hard, it made me feel better. It made me feel good. Like, your worth is not defined by whether or not you get other people hard. There are ways to find sexual fulfillment without erection or ejaculation. And not all sex has to end with quote-unquote completion. Thank you. Also, your sexual worth and your sex drive and your sex life is a lot of times very separate and apart from our sometimes intimate partners. And sometimes the things he's dealing with or thinking about that might be causing the lack of erection have nothing to do with you. It could be other shit. I mean, I'm 39 right now. And a thing that I notice um, that's different from when I was in my 20s is like my emotional health affects my sex drive. In my 20s, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could be happy, I could be sad, I could be angry, I could be exhausted. You know, if it was time to go, it's time to go. But the older we all get, men, women, everybody, our sexual activity uh, is more dependent on all of the other parts of our lives and our bodies being right. So think about that. I would also urge you to have a conversation with this partner about what the guidelines or protocols for intimacy with other people might be. Because Mm -hmm. I don't think you mentioned that in the um, advice question, but think carefully about how you're supposed to or not supposed to share about other intimate partners if y'all have that kind of arrangement. You know, whatever you do, as I'm saying, just like be open and honest. Sorry, mm-hmm. I rambled a bit, but that's how I feel. No, ab- you did not, actually. there You hit on a lot of really important points, and I think that last one is key here. It does seem like this is not part of the arrangement that mm-hmm. the two of them have in their relationship. And so what we're really talking about here is that there's a serious breakdown in the intimacy of your relationship. And I Mm -hmm. would say this is not just sexual intimacy, but it's Mm -hmm. probably emotional intimacy as well. And, you know, that is, that is a we problem to tackle. Mm. So I think that that's also a point of conversation. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm concerned about your drinking. 
And the drinking also might be getting in the way of this person's ability to be emotionally connected in a relationship. And if that's the case, you know, is that going to work for you long term? If this is something that they have to really address and work through, are you are you here for that? And if you're not there for that or you you want to be, but you also want to get your sexual needs met, yes, some transparency needs to be introduced into the relationship around, you know, what that might look like for you, um, seeing other people while they figure their shit out, you know? Yeah. 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 I will say this. It seems like overall, from the outside looking in, and just this one advice question, seems like neither of them are getting what they want from this relationship right now. Yeah. And it's totally appropriate to have a conversation and a heart to heart and say, are either of us getting what we need? And if we're not, you know, it's okay to be like, okay, it's okay to say this might not be the one, the thing. It sounds like her head and her heart are already halfway out of the relationship anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's sounding like to me as well. So I think we've given this question asker more to think about and also some very practical questions to ask their partner. And I would say, like, if you don't feel like you can ask your partner these things, if you're Mm. like, I don't know if we can have these kinds of uh, conversations, that's another sign, you know? Like, it may feel hard to do, but if you feel like, oh, I could never, Mm -hmm. I could never talk to them about this, that, or the other thing, Mm -hmm. that's another indicator that maybe this relationship is, it it needs to be reevaluated. We're going to take a very quick break, but when we get back, we're going to get into the tricky subject of STI disclosure. Sam, you going to stick around for that? Yeah, that's it. I don't think it's tricky. Disclose. <laughs> Disclose. Oh, yes. oh my God. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And we're back. Let's get into our last question. Hey, Maisha. Long ago, my soon-to-be ex-husband gave me herpes. It wasn't a big deal in our marriage, and I rarely have outbreaks. But now that I'm single-ish, what do I do? Do I disclose it even though it's not a big deal and rarely happens? And if I do disclose it, when do I do that? Does this mean that hookups are off the table? It's nerve-wracking enough that I am thrown back into dating and new sexual encounters, but I also have this stigma that I have never had to navigate before. By the way, I can guarantee that my ex is not sharing his status with the women that he's hooking up with. (laughs) I love that shade at the end. (laughs) Yes, also one, at some point you're going to have to move past your ex. I get it, he gave you the gift that keeps on giving, but (laughs) if you want peace, you're going to have to... Forgive and try to forget. First of all, I can She's hear. She's like, do I have to do it? Because I know he's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, this 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 question is seething with anger at her ex. And listen, I get it. I'd be angry same. too. Yeah, but same. for you to have peace, it might help to forgive. First of all, second of all, uh, when do you disclose about herpes? Before you have sex, a hundred percent. And that's that. I am assuming, and this is me as a gay man. I'm assuming that the person writing this question is straight. Because queer men, gay men, are so past these hangups. Because a good portion of the gay community is living with HIV. And they're taking pills to treat it. And it's a thing you disclose, but it's never an issue once you disclose it. 
I have had sexual relationships with people who have been HIV positive and undetectable. Mm-hmm. And it is literally a conversation that takes 30 seconds. Right. You got the right pill? I got the right pill? Okay. And that's Boom. it. And I think that it would be great for people all across the sexuality spectrum to think about it like that. It's just a box to check. It's a box to check, you know? Also, also, we're talking about herpes. Everybody has herpes. <laughs> Everybody has herpes. Everybody gets the cold sore. Everybody has the thing. Like, you're not alone. And there's a no. good chance that the people that you're afraid to tell you have herpes also have herpes. Yep. So just let, let me tell you, for the sexual health of this nation <laughs> and for your peace of mind, just tell people, just tell people. Yeah. And I think that like what we're really hearing here is the fear of rejection. Because as you mentioned, in the straight world, there's a there's a lot more stigma. Yeah. And there's a lot more about like, is she clean and is he clean and all of that? Is she pure? And, and is she pure? And all these notions of feminine purity and bullshit and oh, I hate it. Right. And it can be so, you know, I've worked with with quite a few clients who have recently received a diagnosis of an STI. It can really cut to the core because it lands like, I am a bad person. Mm-hmm. I did a bad mm-hmm. thing. I deserve mm-hmm. this punishment that I received. And I mean, for anybody who is listening, who may have struggled with that, uh, let me just tell you, I mean, we are human organisms and we are susceptible to infections and we you know, luckily have a lot of resources now to help us manage this. This person has said, you know, I I don't have that many outbreaks. You probably also know what triggers an outbreak. For a lot of people, it's stress. For a lot of people, it's a cold. So when you have an outbreak, that's when you need to be the most concerned about spreading it. But being transparent from the outset of the relationship is so important so a person can assess their own risk too. And I I fully agree with you, Sam. Like once that disclosure happens, nine times out of 10, I've had clients who have said, you know, oh yeah, no, the person was like totally okay with it. Also said they have herpes or they felt like, oh, okay, now I can disclose that I have this other thing. And, you know, we had a really good talk about it and, you know, then ultimately decided we wanted to have sex. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And if it's someone who gets the heebie-jeebies around something like that, you don't want to be with them anyway. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be with them anyway. You want someone who is going to at least try to accept you from the start and all of you from the start. That's it. Also, you got to release that blame and hatred towards your ex-husband. (laughs) <laughs> you could have got it from anybody. Like, I mean, and like you got it from him, but you could have got it somewhere else. Like, free yourself. Do not yeah. like do not let your ex-husband live in your brain rent-free. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You divorced him for a reason. To be rid of him. There <laughs> be you free. Go. Release yourself. There you go. Oh, I hope that this gives this question asker a sense of freedom yeah. and a sense that you can go out and date and hook up responsibly. Yeah. You can. You can. And I want all the fun for you because I think maybe some fun will help her forget about this ex. Oh, totally. Totally. Yay. Yeah, go get it. 
All right. Before I let you go, I want to play a little game. And I came up with this game because with Vibe Check, you know, you have a lot of conversations about, you know, a wide range of topics. You're really not afraid to go anywhere. And, you know, this conversation is also proof of that. (laughs) Um, You're also a journalist. So it's your job to kind of like get in people's business sometimes. So the statements that I have here, I want you to tell me if you think they're being nosy or helpful. Oh. Um, so. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, I mean, as a messy Leo, my goal is to always do both. Be nosy and helpful. <laughs> I love <Yes>. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same way as a coach too. I'm like, well, let me get in there yeah. and then let me help you out. Yeah. Let me help you out with your, with whatever it is. Okay. So when someone asks you your pronouns, is that being nosy or is that helpful? I think it depends on the uniformity of the ask. Okay, tell me. What's what's your ideal? If you only ask people who look a certain way their pronouns, it might raise some question marks for me. If you ask most or all of the new people you meet what their pronouns are, that feels a little better? I don't know. So it's leaning nosy for you, though, generally. Yes. If it's just like I'm picking out the people that I think... Yeah. I because, have a question around. Yeah, because like if we know at this point, you know, that the way someone presents, it, it's not always the full story of their gender expression. Right. You have to be really careful and aware of like, I don't know, is your question stereotyping? Mm. That would be my worry, right? And so yeah. in general, I try to wait until people want to tell me their pronouns. And my default now, especially if it's for folks that I haven't seen yet and I'm talking about, I try to use they, them until I know. I try to use they, them until I know. I don't always get it right, but that's kind of my goal. Um, Yeah, because it's like, yeah, I just want to be sensitive. I might not be doing it the right way, but uh, that's how I do it now. Yeah, I have found myself employing that tactic as well. Um, Now that I think about it, um, I've started, you know, yeah, trying to not make... Uh, a gender assumption right off the yes. bat and just yes. sort of use a gender neutral. Yeah. 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 Because we know about assume, assume makes an ass out of you and me. It's a cliche. <laughs> my, I've heard it since childhood, but it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mostly me. <laughs> okay. What about asking deeply personal questions on a first date? That depends if you're there. You know, I live in California, Southern California, and I've had some dates with some woo woo people who Mm -hmm. are just deep and spiritual and centered and they want to go there. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Get another round. (laughs) Let's go there. But you got to read the room and read the person. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you have people who are, I don't know, functioning on the same vibrational energy, it might work. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally, my way into deep conversations is often through like non-serious topics. I love to talk about a movie you like, a TV show you like, a book you just read, some music you're into, and then getting to some themes that are, like, bigger and about life. You know, that's my favorite way in as a journalist who covers a a ton of pop culture. Um, I also am never tired of talking about the weather and parking in Southern California. (laughs) Quiet as it's kept, everyone in SoCal loves to talk about the weather and parking. Oh, they do. I can't. I, I can't. I mean, I guess. You're, pro- I you're a producer shaking her head yes right here across the glass. Wow. Because what did we talk about when I got to the studio? The weather. <laughs> Remember that? Yes, we did, Gina. Anywho, I don't mind it. But I'm a small <laughs> talker by nature. My my father was the world's 
most notorious small talker. Wow, I, I, you know what? I go deep, and 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 I, I do look for for a permission. You know, I don't go. Wait, deep how do you without. get permission? Do you add like? <gasps> Can I oh. can I ask you a deep question? Is that how you like? Because that would scare me. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I do that, and, I, and I, it kills my partner. Where I'm like, listen, I need to ask you something, but you know, when you have time. And he's like, no, oh, no, no, emergency. No, no you alerts. ask me right now. right now, and I'm like, right well, now. I was just thinking, what do you think about this? Thing? And it's usually, it's like maybe not even deep. And he's like, what? Why did you scare me like that? Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I I think like. I'll, I'll like wait till I feel like the person's opening up. I mean, you know, I'm a good, I'm a good reader of, of humans. So okay. I can kind of tell when they're open and I can also tell if I've hit a limit, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I like I, the okay. chit chat and the small talk. It just, yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me. See, I'm one of those like, my favorite default mode for a first date is just to quickly assess whether or not they can extend the bit. Mm. Um, because for me, it's like if we can make each other laugh and get in the same kind of mindset in terms of humor, then everything else can open up. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a big extend the bit guy. <laughs> and yeah. then once we do that, you know, that also that said, it makes me think, you know, thinking like how to ask hard questions on the first date and do you want to. I think it's also a moment to like assess whether or not the questions we think we're supposed to ask actually need to be asked. Let me tell you what I'm tired of he hearing on first dates. <laughs> so how many siblings do you have? Oh. Who cares? <laughs> you want to date them? I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, think of a better question. <laughs> how many siblings do you I don't. I don't know. I didn't bring them to this date. Jesus. Sorry. Really, do you I don't want like their number? Question. No, no. I mean, that's true. See? So you do have a little bit of a boundary around small talk because that's one of those. It's just, you <laughs> no, like but because I'm, but, but, but because I'm very, of but because small I'm, talk. Yes. But also, though, because I'm very conflict diverse, when I'm asked this question on a first date, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> have you ever had someone just say, like, No. Like, or, 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 you know, I'm not answering that. You know what I mean? I want to try that. I think it'd be so refreshing I if want I met to, okay. someone. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? I went on a friend date with someone uh -huh. and I said um, something like, uh, so, you know, what are, I don't know. It was something we had somehow gotten here and I was felt like it was okay to say like, so what are your parents like or whatever? Uh -huh. And she straight up was like, my parents have nothing to do with who I am. Snaps. And I said, I was like, oh, and also, but also that's not true, but snaps. it's not true. But I was like, oh, I have hit on something and I'm not, I'm not going like, to push this know. any further. Back away. But also like, I loved that. So I was just like, yeah, yeah I'm not talking yeah. about my parents. That's not what we're here for. Come on. I get it. I'm going to, I'm on. retreating. And it was, I, it stuck with me, obviously, because that was years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next time someone asked me on a date. How many siblings do you have? I'm trying to think of a way to gently and kindly be like, F that question. <laughs> um, what if I just am like, hmm, I wonder if we can think of a better question to ask right now. Oh, my God. And just see what they do. <laughs> just see what they do. <laughs> yeah, because my question now is like, how many times have you had sex with someone who asked you that question on a first date? You know what I mean? Every like, time. No, I mean, I don't know. Gosh, I'm not right. keeping count. Um <laughs> 
It's such a default question now. Yeah. Although now, oh, oh, new rule. New rule. You ask Sam on a date if he has any siblings, there will be no second location. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Can it be a litmus test? Because, you know, you're 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 saying like you need them to keep up the bit. Well, I mean, asking about siblings is not showing me that you're capable of keeping up the bit. Yeah. Or can I make the question a bit? So like they ask me, how many siblings do you have? And I'm like, guess. (laughs) Make up a story for one. Yes, 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 yes. 24. (laughs) I will say, a thing I love to do on first dates or any date or any friend hang, if you're in a restaurant or bar, I love to pick a table somewhere in the room and imagine a life story for the two people there or three people or whatever. That's really fun. So how can I take that energy into a sibling question? So, okay, next time someone asks me on a date, do you have any siblings? I'm going to say, let's use this moment to have some fun. Yeah. Based on what you know of me, create my sibling story. Go. <laughs> How many? What's their deal? What are their names? Where names. are they now? Did we get along? Go. Make it up. <laughs> that could be fun. I think and if they get amazing. that bit right, there's a second location. Yeah. If they get, if they keep, if they're not thrown, number one. Yes. yes. And if they can just ride with that. Yes. Like that's my kind of person. Right. A hundred percent. Extend the bit. I'm an extend the bit kind of guy. I love it. Yeah. This is great advice just generally for people. Okay. You know, like keep, keep it interesting. Keep it interesting. Um, Speaking of interesting, sometimes when we have a promising date or, you know, we're dating somebody, we can get a little carried away. Uh, mm-hmm. with with the snooping online. So what do you think about this? Do you think it is nosy or helpful to dig around on the internet for anything and everything you can find about someone you're dating and finding a bunch of stuff that they haven't shared with you yet? I'm a journalist who spent a lot of time as a producer and breaking news reporter uh, getting really good at online research. So full disclosure, I do it. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. And I know how to find out stuff about someone with just a few Google swipes. Mm-hmm. Has it been helpful? No, it's never helpful. It's, <laughs> so never it's just helpful. nosy. It's just it's nosy. It's just nosy. <laughs> yeah, it's never helpful. I guess there's been once or twice where it's like the thing they said they were doing for a living on the date was a very inflated version of what their actual job was. Oh, yeah. And I'm not mad about the level of your job i'm mad that you feel the need to be dishonest with me from the start right yeah but that's really only happened i want to say once okay good yeah good okay so you didn't but, yeah, find no, anything for sure nosy. i'm fucking nosy yeah i'm nosy. okay 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 i, I love that you own it you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. i love it asking what your partner likes in bed is it nosy oh, yeah. or helpful it's helpful it's yeah. helpful gosh it's helpful and like asking before Asking during and asking after. Thank you. It's helpful. Feedback. Feedback. You you know what? Sometimes what you need after sex is a post-game meeting. You need to go over the notes. You do. You need to review the tape and figure out some shit. Oh, yeah. I try Ask. to tell my clients this and they think I'm crazy or that this is like excessive. But I do think that like... Sometimes people are trying to give a lot or get a lot of information across in the middle of sex, mm-hmm. which can be, I think, the most challenging time sometimes. Um, 
and and like emotions can be high, so it's like difficult. I, I think that there's a way that you can do it where it's still sexy and can still keep things in the moment. But yeah. when I say like, you know, talk about it before, talk about what you like, talk about, you know, the things you want to explore, you know, and then like have that debrief at the end. Yeah. They're like, what? You know, like wh- we just did it. Like, don't, I mean, didn't we both have a good time and why do we need to? And I'm like, no, there's like subtleties also. Also, trying, red flag of a question. Didn't we both have a good time? <laughs> Run. If, if someone's in your bedroom and they ask you a question like that when it's over, you better Jordan Peele and get out. Didn't we both well, have a good time? I mean, a lot of How people dare ass- you? A lot of people assume that. Yeah, we know. both had orgasms, so. Well, and this is the thing. This is the thing that I've had to get better about the older I get. Not all sex needs to have an orgasm involved to be good sex. Mm-hmm. Say it again. Not all sex needs to have an orgasm involved to be good sex. But how is the question I get? <laughs> By talking through it. By talking through it. Yeah. Listen, and, and also, like, sometimes, sometimes what's better than sex and what you really need that night is, like, to cuddle in your underwear on the sofa and order chicken pad thai and watch Netflix. Love it. And that yeah. can be more intimate than just making sure you get the orgasm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or that I, that I give you an orgasm, yes. you know? I think there, there's also this like, well, I'm not done until I've done my job. And it's like, yeah. wait, what are we yeah. here for? I didn't sign up to get another job. Like exactly. I am doing this for pleasure, for leisure, for connection, for yes. intimacy, for all of these other yes. things. Yes. You know, why are we making this another to-do thing that we have to focus on, like, the end goal? Because yes. most of the time, this is, this is something that I, I think about a lot. But when I, when I think about great sex that I have mm-hmm. had, in my mind, I don't picture myself having an orgasm. It's never the end. It's never the end. And it's never the prettiest scene. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, it is. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, for me, it's like, I flash back to the moments where it felt like time stopped. Yes. That's the best part of sex. You're just free. When you're locked in and you're free and you're not worried about an end goal. You're not worried about any kind of completion. You're just like, oh, this feels great. I can stay here for a while. It's the And you don't know if it's three minutes or 30 minutes. You don't know. You, you don't have know. No You're clue. just like, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the stuff, it's like the kissing and the touching mm-hmm. and the, oh man, that felt so good, you know, um, to be with them in that moment. And oh, it was summertime and oh, I was here. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's all this other stuff that that I remember more yes. saliently than yes. like the orgasm. Um, I have one last yeah, little it. little question about whether yeah, something yeah. is nosy. Or actually helpful. Yeah. And that's when a stranger at a party asks you how you feel about a politically charged topic. What do you think? Is that just being nosy? Or is it somehow helpful for finding some common ground? I think it's better than talking through your phone. So fine. Oh. I think the reality of the past seven or eight years of our American political life has been people fighting with strangers through these sad flashlight supercomputers in their hands. Hmm. It's very bad. And so if you asking a stranger in person in a kind way about a hot topic and talking through it thoughtfully, if that's a thing you can do, it is always a better use of your time than arguing with a stranger online. Mm -hmm. So not always bad. Also, gosh, we got to get over this like, 
we don't talk about these things. We do talk about those things. It's like, I don't know. You want to talk, talk. And you want to build community. It means being able to talk about stuff. So, you know, of course, you want folks to read the room and develop some kind of rapport before they ask you the hard stuff. But I don't think that it's inappropriate to ask hard questions about political topics in the right context, in the right moment, because I think an in-person conversation is always better than a smartphone conversation. Always. Yes. And I know they are not strangers, but your co-host on Vibe Check engage in, you know, conversations with you about politically charged topics all the time on Vibe Check. And I just really hope that people take a listen and pick up some maybe cues on how to talk about these things. I think that would be amazing. And they can hopefully start fostering some in-person conversations about these things as well. Ah, well, I am so, so, so glad that you were able to join me today. And I just want you to share with people other than Vibe Check, which is available everywhere you get podcasts. Where can people find you either online or in person if you're doing anything live? Yeah, yeah. So Vibe Check publishes episodes every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcast. I host it with my dear friends, uh, journalists and all around great guys, Zach Stafford and Saeed Jones. Saeed's also an award-winning poet. And Zach just got a Tony for producing a Broadway musical. Seriously, they're great. Love them. When I'm not on that podcast every Wednesday in your podcast feeds, find me on social channels at Sam Sanders, all one word, at Sam Sanders on Twitter, a.k.a. X, on Instagram and on threads. I share a lot about events and other shows I'm doing. But yeah, the best place to follow is probably Instagram. I share all my stuff there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. This was delightful. Thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap on season one of KCRW's How's Your Sex Life? Be sure to follow me, Maisha Battle, at Maisha Battle, and avail yourself of all of my resources at my website, MaishaBattle.com. And remember to follow, rate, and review the show. Once you follow us, you will be notified when new episodes are available in the new year. Thanks so much. How's Your Sex Life is a KCRW original podcast. Our producer is Andrea Bautista. Our executive producer is Gina Delvac. Our engineer is Nick Lamponi. Our music was created by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Special thanks to Women's Audio Mission, Hope Brush, Natalie Hill, Connie Alvarez, Megan Ellingbow, Arnie Seipel, and Jennifer Farrow. And last but not least, a huge thanks to our voice actors, We'll let them introduce themselves on the way out. I'm Megan Jamerson. Thanks for listening. This is Gina Delvac. Thank you so much for listening to this season of the show. Please follow and share with a friend. I'm Marquet Green. Want more How's Your Sex Life? Check out kcrw.com slash sex life to explore resources mentioned on the show.